The scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, through chapter 5, verse 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a, bro a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Father, nobody likes to suffer. Um, nobody ever wants it. Nobody ever really asks for it. And yet we find ourselves suffering so much in this life. Um, we pray that you would show us the hope of glory this morning from your word. That we would see that unfading crowd. That we would see the great riches that we have in Jesus in your gospel this morning, and that that would light us up, and that would fill us with hope, um, that we wouldn't despair, we wouldn't doubt, we wouldn't fear, 
wouldn't be anxious, but we'd know that you, our faithful creator, care for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, America's religious landscape is changing. Um, 17%, according to a recent Pew Research study, uh, 17% of Americans now say that they have uh, no uh, religious affiliation. Um, they, they believe in nothing in particular. I believe in nothing in particular is the, the common confession. It's a growing number. And um, Gina and I were, uh, the other night we were watching The Good Doctor. Anybody? Dr. Sean Murphy? Anybody? A couple of fans, right? Um, my youngest son says, Shawnee. That's, I don't know. It's totally irrelevant. It's just funny how he says it. But um, so we watched The Good Doctor, and um, uh, in, in one of, one of um, Sean's colleagues, um, her mom dies, and, um, and she has the ashes, and she decides to, to bury the ashes, which you can't do this legally, but she does it anyways, but uh, buries the ashes uh, where the seals are, kind of like at SeaWorld, you know, like she just dumps them over into the water. And right before she's about to dump it into the water, the ashes in the water, uh, her colleague standing next to her s says, you should sing, you know, make this kind of ceremonial, like a ritual. And Claire says, um, she goes, well, you know, I, I'm not really religious, and neither was my mom. And, and that's the place of most, you know, a growing number of Americans now. That's, that's, that's what a lot of people are starting to believe. They believe in nothing in particular. Strangely, though, the one song that comes to mind in this moment of her pain, right, when Claire is about to dump the ashes of her mom into the seal ocean, um, she sings Amazing Grace. She sings it beautifully, too. Uh, Amazing Grace by a Christian, devout Christian, uh, John Newton. And I bring that up because uh, people all around us might not be religiously affiliated, right? But everybody, every single person is religious. Right? Everybody is worshiping something or someone. And as Christians, we have a unique opportunity to be pointing people to the one true God, to Jesus Christ, to be giving them the hope that is within us, um, the hope of glory. And we might be more marginalized because of our culture, but we still have hope to bring this world by pointing people to Jesus. And I think we, we probably have no better opportunity to do this than when we experience suffering. You heard me right. right? But when we suffer, we have a unique opportunity to share Jesus with other people. And... Um, Christianity is a religion for the suffering. So today's text, it teaches us to trust God in our suffering and to stand firm in our suffering. Two things I want to focus on this morning. Trust God and stand firm. So trust God in our suffering. Um, when suffering comes our way, our usual response, the normal response is to, to ask, why me? Right? Why me at this particular time? Why, God? Why? Um, notice, though, Peter's encouragement, 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And suffering shouldn't surprise us at all, but it does. Um, it tends to rock us. If you asked me at the beginning of this year if I thought things were going to go really, really smoothly and wonderfully and perfectly... I would have said, yes, I think things are going to go absolutely perfectly and wonderfully, and, and everything's going to go great. Um, 
ministry and my life were going really well. I was enjoying life uh, really well. And all of a sudden, I, 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 I hit a rock. <laughs> um, I was uh, hospitalized twice, um, suffered from um, anxiety and depression uh, so severe that it was, it was crippling for a while. And, um, and it was a battle. And, and, and some of those days, you know, you know what I wondered? I wondered why God would allow for this to happen at this stage, at this point, right, in my life and in, in, in the way things are going in, in ministry and everything else. Why at this moment did God allow for that to happen? And I wondered why God gave me opportunities and gifts and yet left me so weak that I couldn't really use them. It's a frustrating place to be in. Why me? Why now? We ask when we suffer. And suffering has a way of putting our faith to the test. And we ask, you know, is there any purpose in suffering? Is there any meaning? Is there any point to suffering? In this letter, Peter has in mind a kind of suffering that comes our way because we're Christians, um, not suffering from physical illness or, or mental illness. Um, and, and he also discourages us from suffering because we do something foolish, um, like commit a crime or um, are, are um, stirring up trouble. I'll read this really quick, uh, verse 13, 14 uh, through 16. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Right? That's doing the foolish things. Don't get in trouble for that. Um, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And then I want to jump to verse 19. Um, This is where we find a lot of comfort. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. All suffering, whether persecution, whether mental, whether physical, whether um, emotional or spiritual, right? It falls under the control, the sovereignty of God's will. And all suffering gives us the opportunity to, to trust God in the midst of our suffering. And so when we suffer as God's children we tend to cling to his promises much more tightly. Um, We go to him in prayer. Uh, So Peter says, rejoice, right? Be glad when you're in these moments because you're, you're, you're cradling into the arms of your loving father. Um, God's spirit rests upon you. God is with you. Um, And then Peter encourages us again, verse uh, chapter five, verse six, It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And we heard that in the call to worship, Psalm 55, right? This is a God who cares for you even when you're going through a trial, when you're suffering. And suffering is never to be thought of as strange or weird. Um, We all struggle with God during times of suffering. We all wonder where he's gone. We wonder if he really cares. We feel isolated, we feel alone, we feel estranged. But Peter's saying, take heart, loved ones, because if you suffer, God's spirit rests upon you. He's guarding and guiding, he's protecting and providing, he's loving and caring. Peter's words here are so similar to Jesus's words um, in in the gospel of Matthew, right? Uh, Consider the lilies, 
When you're anxious, right, look at the lilies, look at the birds. God cares for them. God feeds them. And then again, in, in, in chapter 5, he says, Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad. Same words Peter uses. For your reward is great in heaven, for they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. When things don't go according to our plan, that doesn't mean it's not going according to his plan. Remember that. The hardship, the suffering we experience in this life is meant to prepare us for our eternal home. God works on us, right, in the middle of our pain to, to loosen our tight grip on things we hold too closely and to free us to open our hands to the world to come. When we suffer, it's not a failure of God's plan for our lives. Suffering is a tool that God will use to refine us, to shape us, to build faith in us and put us in line with his plan of, of redemption. So suffering is not purposeless. It's purposeful in the hands of our faithful creator. So first thing, trust God in your suffering. Right? Trust God. Uh, the second thing, stand firm in your suffering. Stand firm in your suffering. So suffering can do a number on our theology. It can do a number on our view of God and the world and ourselves. And, and sometimes when suffering comes our way, we might respond by saying, hmm, first of all, this doesn't feel very good. So God, you, God must not love me very much because I'm experiencing this. I see some heads nodding right now. Probably felt that way before, right? God must not love me anymore because I'm experiencing this. And so we might, we might doubt God because of the circumstances that we face. They're hard. And it changes how we view God and his promises and his power and his authority and his presence and his place in our lives. Um, and so suffering can say to us, God isn't good or God isn't faithful. Because if he were, I wouldn't be experiencing this. And it can lead us to, to quit following him. And to quit asking him for help. And man, the devil loves to stoke this fire of doubt in our lives. Um, this is why Peter warns us. He says, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Like, keep your eyes wide open, right? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That description is, like, is super frightening. Um, if I'm in the Starbucks parking lot, and I'm going to get my, I don't drink mocha frappuccinos, but um, I don't know why that came to mind. Orange mocha, that's probably Ben Stiller. Okay, <laughs> tangent, um, coffee. When I'm going to get coffee in the Starbucks parking lot, right, I don't want to see a prowling, roaring lion. I don't want to hear a roaring lion. I don't want to see a prowling lion anywhere, okay, when I'm, when I'm walking in a parking lot. If I'm at the zoo, maybe, right, if I'm at the wild animal park, okay, I can, I can do that, right? The lion is caged. He's where he's supposed to be. And he can roar and he's not going to hurt me. That's fine. But not out, you know, out and about prowling around. I don't want that kind of lion. Well, that's the kind of lion that, that, that Satan is, the accuser is, described as. And so Peter goes on saying, he says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In other words, when you're in your pain and you're caught up in that suffering, in that moment, 
Peter's saying, open up your eyes. Look around you at the other saints around the world who are suffering just like you. You're not alone in your suffering. And when we suffer, we we probably are most susceptible to the enemy's lies. Um, He whispers to us, right, where is God in your pain? Where did he go? He must have left you. He must not love you. If he did, it wouldn't be happening. And so when we're afraid and and we're weak, these lies creep in and they sink in and and they breed doubt in our minds and and we want to stop running to God. But Peter says, resist him. Stand firm in your faith. How? Knowing that your brothers and sisters around the world face this suffering. He's saying, whenever we suffer, open your eyes. I want to take a minute and just encourage um, those of us who are older. I'm not going to say who's older in this room. Right? Some, some of us are older. Some of us are younger. Those of us who are older, right? think of who's younger than you, who you might be able to invest in. Who you might be able to take some time and, and pour into their life. Because here's the thing. All of us suffer. To varying, de- varying degrees, we all experience suffering differently. At different stages in our life, we'll experience different degrees of suffering. But at every point in our life, at some point, we will experience suffering. And so think of who it is in our congregation, right, who's younger than you, who you might be able to pour into. Um, I I have in mind our our youth, especially our our middle schoolers, our high schoolers. Um, And they're going through some tough stuff. I mean, um, uh, anxiety... Uh, recorded at you know highest level for our youth than has ever been recorded in, in history for for uh, some of the challenges that our that our youth are facing and 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 you can really be a resource you can really be a light um, you can be a help to them um, in, in in walking them through some of those challenges so so why don't you um, there are opportunities to volunteer um, for our middle school for high school. Um, and, and you can just invest in our young people by taking one or two aside. Um, nothing, nothing official, but you can do that. So suffering is not a sign uh, that we've been forsaken. Um, it's a sign that this world is broken, and that's why we need for God to fix it. And the good news is he's going to. He's in the process of, of repairing this broken world. And, and so don't believe the lie that God's not good because we experience suffering sometimes. God is still good. He's still good. One of the helpful things you can do uh, whenever you experience doubt from the enemy's lies is you can check yourself. Right? Um, you can take a look at your daily self-talk. Um, some, so this is one of the things I, I like to do because um, I you know, tend to think in my mind um, you know, and create a narrative that, that keeps spiraling into more and more doubt. And so ask yourself, how has my suffering caused me to believe things that are false and say things that are false to myself and to other people? Uh, another helpful thing when we're experiencing doubt is to remember this. God is not surprised by your doubt. Um, I love last, last week how uh, uh, Joel shared his own struggle to believe in God with us. I thought that was really in, encouraging. Um, I, know, I know many Christians who struggle regularly with, with doubt. And God doesn't criticize you for your doubt. That's what the enemy does. God doesn't do that. But God gets close to us, right? He reminds us of his grace and his goodness and his glory. 
And so if you're, if you're doubting, don't run away from him. Run to him, right? Bring your doubts, your fears, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Another helpful thing you can do is you can do good when you suffer and start to doubt. Going back to chapter 4, verse 19. Again, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Getting busy in the ordinary, in the, the daily, everyday activities of our lives can help defend us against doubt. We resist the enemy by focusing on what God is up to in the midst of our lives. What, what's going on in the world in his church and through Christians. And so Christian, you don't fight this battle alone, right? This is Peter's reminder. There are many other people in this fight together with you. We share this battle And the power of the one who gave up his own life for you is with you so that you would have all that you need in this dark world. As Peter wraps up the letter, right, he tells us the reason why he wrote it. Verse 12, By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. What's the true grace of God? What is it? Peter told us right before, verses 10 and 11, he says, And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, comfort, sorry, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so the God who, of all grace, who gives us this true message of grace tells us that suffering comes first before glory. That's a hard word. I think it's especially a hard word to hear in our culture, in our day. Um, But we need this reminder today. We need this reminder because there are many false gospels out there. So many preachers today will say that God wants to give you a bigger house, maybe a better spouse, throw in that little yacht that you've always wanted, you know, and uh, health, wealth, and happiness is on your way if you're a Christian. So many preachers will wed our, our politics with, with our religion. Uh, so many want to take back America for Christ. And there's all sorts of different things and different ways we can get distracted. And we need Peter's words for the church today to remind us that suffering is normal for Christians. Suffering first, glory later. Peter's original audience, they knew this from experience. Um, He was kind of gearing them up because many of them soon would face great persecution from Emperor Nero. He would light many of them up um, uh, on fire, burning them at the stake like candlesticks in the night. And like them, we live in a culture that's getting more and more hostile to Christianity. And so I think we can expect more suffering to come our way. But I love how if you've been reading Everyday Church, maybe in your community groups or individually if you're not in a community group, but the authors challenge us with something, right? They say this, they say, when were you last asked to account for your faith in Christ? Are we living a life that makes no sense without the gospel? Anybody remember reading that? Um, 
I'll be the first to confess, and I'm the lead pastor of this church, right? I can live a lot of days where the gospel doesn't make any sense in my life, where I'm trusting in other things that are not Jesus, right? I'm placing my identity in something like my family or possessions or the praise of people instead of the, the glory of Christ. But what if we were all more bold, right? What if we were people? What if we were a church where the gospel affected us so deeply that others said about each of us and our church as a whole, man, these people really believe the gospel because they would not be living the way that they're living if the gospel were not true. What if that were the case? I think if we're going to become that kind of people We have to be steeped in the gospel. We have to place the gospel always before us, that Jesus came into this world to live, die, be crucified, rise again, and he did all of this for us. He did this because I'm a sinner who lived life as if the gospel weren't true. He did this because I'm a sinner who lives life because sometimes I believe God's not good. He did this because I'm a sinner, but in Christ I'm made a saint. Peter ends our letter with these final words. He says, verse 14, greet one another with the kiss of love. So we're family. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you believe in Jesus because you believe the gospel, then then you are family. Um, So he says here, greet one another with the kiss of love, right? With, With a holy affection for one another. Now, I would not recommend that in our culture you go up and kiss one another with a kiss of love, okay? Probably not going to be a good idea. Um, probably would not be received very well um, by most people. Um, but in the early church, right, it was a sign of a affection of brotherly and sisterly love. It was familial. It wasn't romantic love. Um, and, and there are cultures, if you, if you travel around the world, you might experience this, where you walk into a church and someone goes, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, nice to meet you too, <laughs> you know, um, but, but we're family. And, um, and then Peter, he, he ends his letter with these words. He says, peace to all of you who are in Christ. What a great way to end the letter, right? Peace. He walks away, right? Is that, that's not how he ends the letter, no. Um, that's not what he's doing, right? It, peace to all of you who are in Christ, right? He's, he's, he's saying as the final words of this letter These are words of blessing, right? Um, This is why in Christian services, we end the service with a benediction or or God's blessing upon you, right? Like Peter, ending this letter, he's saying that that God's grace and mercy and peace gets the last word over your life if you're in Jesus Christ. It's a peace that can never be taken from you. It's a peace that you'll always have And so we can endure suffering with hope because Jesus has endured suffering for us and has brought us, as the beginning of the letter says in 1 Peter 1, an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. That is our hope. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you that you are greater than our doubts and our fears and our anxiety, our highs and our lows, that you're a God who is near to the brokenhearted. You're a God who's near to the suffering ones. You sent your son to suffer for us, to die for us. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with hopeful suffering today. Um, Even if we ourselves are not experiencing suffering right now, that you'd give us endurance and you'd give us motivation to come alongside someone else who is suffering, to share in their pain and to encourage them in their pain and to point them to the hope that we have together in the one who suffered for us. Please help us, Father, and fill us with the hope of your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.